If we've not met, I'm Pastor Mike Randall. Today is the third week, final week of a series called The Power of Words. Uh, the power of words, the sense of the things we say to ourselves, uh, the, say we things to, the, the things we say to each other, and the things that we say to God. Today, what we say to God, and how it all fits together into one picture of life. And so we want to celebrate that, and that our, what we say has power in the life and world that you and I live in today. The verses that Bob read a while ago are some of my favorite verses in the Bible and the Psalms. I have many of them memorized. I love this Psalm and what it says. It speaks so much about really intimacy with God, about really connecting with God. And, and I'll read a couple of verses again for you. It says, How lovely is your dwelling place, Lord Almighty. My soul yearns, even faints, for the courts of the Lord. My heart and my flesh cry out for the living God. You know, drawn to God with that kind of urgency, I want to connect with God. I want that for you today. I always want that for us when we come to church together in all of our life, to connect with God, to know God's presence, to know God's love, uh, to experience God. Verses go on to say, hear my prayer, O Lord God Almighty, listen to me. And then verse, six, verse 10, better is one day in your courts than a thousand anywhere else. I would rather be a doorkeeper in the house of my God than dwell in the tents of wickedness. Meaning dwell, uh, experience God in my life and, and, and great difficulty than to go somewhere where it's wonderful and not have God in my life. We're talking about God, the words we say to God. I want to put a picture up there for you on the screen to, to kind of move into the message more clearly today. It's a picture of uh, actually the governor of Texas and myself. Uh, I'm the one on the right the governor's the one on the left, uh, Governor Abbott. Uh, Thursday, I had lunch with the governor, and it's kind of unique to be invited to do that. And I've been invited three times to meet with uh, the previous governor and now this governor for a number of reasons. No, no big thing. I've, I've, I'm on a list of a number of pastors that they want to talk to about the Texas and the state, the, of where we're going, what we're doing, our opinion, and listen to their opinion. You know, it's, it's, we do that, and somehow I got on that list, and I'm the denominational representative, I think. The only Methodist there, the only denominational person there, and so uh, I represent probably uh, many, many, many Texans in that, in that time together. It's kind of pretty cool to do that. You know, got to pray for the governor. Uh, the governor said for us in church to pray for him as well. So pray for your governor and your president, everyone in leadership in our nation. We're, in fact, we're challenged to do that biblically, to pray for everyone in leadership, whether it be our governor, our president, our, our county, uh, our, county or, our, our city. So do that. Uh, so it's not about political words today, about what I'm for or against. Uh, I would have gone to whatever governor asked me to come, I would go. I feel an obligation to represent my church, you, my faith, and the state. So I find myself there and enjoy that time together. Now I'm going to go a little bit further into that situation. It's really pretty involved to do it, but when I found out I was going to be doing this lunch uh, and set it on my calendar, I, I got up a list of questions that I wanted to talk to the governor about because it was an opportunity, right? Would you see it that way? It's an opportunity. How often do you get to sit face-to-face -face, uh, with a governor? And so I got to do that. I wanted to talk about the education uh, situation in Texas and what happening, going to happen, where we are with that. There's some questions we might have, you might have, you might not. Talk about what compassion immigration looks like and where we are with that, what the stage of steps are, where we are in that area and handling uh, illegal immigration, that kind of thing. That's we're all concerned about. I know you are. And so I thought I should represent that. I know you're concerned about education, so you are. Let's sure about that. 
uh, what we're doing uh, to support and strengthen law enforcement in Texas. And uh, there's a lot of morale issues in law enforcement in, in the state and around the country. Uh, there are other issues as well. Uh, where is the, the, the government, the, the, the lead government in that? And there are many things we could say, but these are things that I was thinking about. So they were in my head and in my, in my heart and my mind as I met with uh, him and about 10 other pastors uh, from across Texas. Uh, we also did so around green chicken enchiladas. Uh, Texas-style pinto beans. I have the menu, so I can read it off the menu. Salad with avocado and tomatoes. And gelato with chocolate wafer cookies. Uh, that's fancy for ice cream. That's exactly what it was. It was ice cream. We ate some of that. Now, to do this was really pretty involved. Background check. Uh, had to have a certain identification. Uh, you had to arrive at a certain time in a certain place exactly. We stood there outside with our little suits on, and I don't normally wear a suit especially in Austin where this was, but I wore a suit. I knew he would, so we're all wearing suits together. They're standing out in the sun waiting to get in. Uh, they do, the, do the, you know, the walkthrough to make sure we're not carrying any concealed weapons. You can actually carry an unconcealed weapon into the man governor's mansion, if you didn't know that. Uh, as long as you have a license for it, you can carry it in there, but don't carry it unconcealed. So they checked it to make sure we didn't have any guns. I didn't, so I was okay. I got in the door. Had to drive around uh, three or four times around the, the, the lot to find a, to, we couldn't find a place to park. So my wife, Rhonda, who went with me, dropped me off, went to a mall for an hour, to, half to two hours, but how long the meeting was. Well, I went inside. No wives were invited. No spouses were invited. They were all male pastors who were there. And so that was part of that, that situation there. So this all goes on for, for a while. And, and I'm going to go back to the beginning part of this whole idea, you know. Would you have gone if you got the call two months ago? Well, your name is, the governor would like to have lunch with you on Thursday, da-da-da-da. Would you say yes or would you say no? Uh, if the president called you and said, hey, I want you to have lunch uh, with me. Talk about the United States and the world. Uh, in this case, talk about Texas. You know, would you do that? You know, is there a movie star that you've got to call? Hey, if I got to call from him or her, I'm on my way. I don't care how. I, if I got to drive through the night. I, I don't have a parking place. You know, I don't care about the food. I'm going to get there. Who is that for you that you would say, I am going no matter what? In some ways, this was an obligation for me. But also, hey, the governor, you know, maybe, okay, Rhonda, what do you think? So I find my way there. So think with me about the words we say in this context to God. The words we say to God. God is more accessible than most of us think. He is readily available to you and me. His initiative to enter our life and open the door to his, where he is, is Jesus. That's God's initiative. Not only in his teaching, but his life, his cross, his resurrection. We call it the gospel. He says, come unto me, all you labor and heavy laden, and I'll give you rest. The door's wide open. Do you want to meet with me? Do you want to talk to me? Do you want to hear what I have to say to you? Do you want to walk with me? It's readily available, accessible right here in church today. Now, we have church uh, on a regular basis like every week. Uh, in our church, seven and eight times a week. And every time we really have one, I always have one major overriding purpose. I want everybody to experience God in church. I want sermon to be good, sure. I want the music to be great. I want everybody to be welcome. I want the air conditioning to work in the summertime, heat in the wintertime. I want all that. But I want 
everyone to encounter God who is really so accessible. Hebrews 11.6b says it's about that access. Anyone who wants to approach God must believe that God exists, that he cares enough to respond to those who seek him. Now, I want you to focus on the simplicity of that verse there in the book of Hebrews. Just believe there is a God and that he loves you. That's all you've got to know to start with. That's all you've got to be about, that he cares about you, that he, he loves you, that he, he wants you to connect with him. And he wants this for you. He wants it. If that's true, and I believe that it is, why is for so many of us God seems so hard to talk to? Why sometimes it seems like God is so hard to talk to, which is the first question today I want you to think about with me. Why does it seem so hard to connect with God? Why does God seem sometimes so far away? You know, I've got grown kids. So my kids, one of, my kids occasionally call me on the phone. And the call often goes like this. I'll answer the phone, and one of the kids will be there, and I'll say, well, hi, 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 name the child. Uh, and, and they'll say, is mom there? <laughs> Any other dads have that kind of situation with your grown kids? So, and, and it can be worse sometimes. Sometimes it'll be this. It'll be... Dad, we tried to call mom and she's not answering her phone. Could you go get her for me? So it's even that. And I said, like, what am I, chopped liver? You know, I'd like to know how things are going. I don't know how the grandkids are doing too. I'm as invested as she is. Well, you know, you're just not mom. So if I get the call, it's going to be about issues. Like, uh, what kind of car should we buy? Or how about insurance and this? Or uh, tell, tell me about these financial things. Or it'll be some kind of technical stuff that I guess dads know. I don't know. And that's the kind of calls that I get, which is not very often. And they don't, they don't ever take my advice. I don't know why they ask. That's a, that's a, <laughs> sometime they do. They're, they're probably watching on right now in Puerto Rico. I've got one child probably watching online with her family. Hi, hi. Uh, another one is probably watching online with her family uh, there in the Beaumont area. Hi, hi, hi. And my son might be too. He's in Austin still for the wedding. We had a wedding yesterday, and so he's still there. So he might be with his wife watching online. So, so if you call me, ask me how things are going first before you ask for mom. So anybody experiencing God yet? We will, we will get there, I promise you. Uh, well, are you with me? God wants to hear from you. It's not like it's a, an issue or a problem that you've got to talk him into it. God wants to hear you speak to him. In whatever category you choose to speak, from your reality, from where you are in your life, from your circumstance and situation, from your need and from your love, whatever it is, he wants to hear what you have to say to God, to him. He wants that. He will listen. He will respond. And in that context, the goal of faith is to walk with God. The goal of faith is to walk with God. It is not to get God to do what we want or what we need or like. Now, God will do those things because God loves us. He promises to hear and answer our prayers and grant miracles and blessings and salvation and open doors, all the things God does for his people. Thank you, God, for that. It's like I'm going to help my kids if I can. If I can, I'll, I can. If I can, I will. 
That's how we are and who we are. And my parents helped me the same way. It's what parents do for their kids. But God wants to walk with him. And that's the goal of faith. And from that place, all the rest of life, all the other relationships we have, connections we have, then unfold in a different way. Marriage and family and uh, church family and neighborhood, everybody we come in contact with. That's how we, we experience God. Well, here's how it worked. I got, to, I got there uh, and finally got into the governor's mansion. Very small, if you've not ever, actually ever been in, it's a very small governor's mansion. The, the, the main floor there is a dining room, some other small rooms, and I think the, the family lives upstairs. Uh, and there's also room downstairs. We were in the main area there. And uh, they said, the governor's in there. Y'all going in there. And so we all walked in there where the governor was. There's a table all set with really fancy stuff and not the way I normally eat lunch. And, and we went in there, and, and the door was simply open. And off we go. Now I'm going to ask you a question I need you to think about a little bit. Uh, if I told you today that, that God himself is present, God is actually today in the gallery. He can hear our worship. He, he knows we're worshiping him. He's got the songs. He heard, he, heard the, he heard the orchestra for sure, no doubt about it. He heard the organ beyond doubt. You know, he heard the organ uh, in the worship. So he knows we're worshiping, he's, you know, but he's, he's back in the gallery, and he's got a chair back in there sitting down. And he wants you to come in and just visit with him today. You've got an opportunity. The door's open. You've been invited. You've got the phone call. Okay, now what? Now what? Are you the first in line? I mean, I'm, I don't care what Mike's going to say. I'm out. I'm heading to the gallery. Well, the sermon's not over. I better get in there. I better wait till the sermon's over. I don't want to hurt Mike's feelings. You know, uh, what, what are we going to do? Uh, are you going to wait in the line that's going to take to get in there first? You know, what, and if you do decide to go in there to visit with God, what do you want to say to God? The second question. What do you want to say to God given that opportunity in that type of setting. Now, I know you realize prayer is a part of speaking to God. Uh, we speak to God in all kinds of ways. I understand that, but, but think about God in a face-to-face -face way of encountering God. What would you really say? What would you really do? How would you respond to that place that really is more accessible than you or I might think or take advantage of? Or occasionally maybe even take granted, take granted of. What would you say to God? Uh, I love the story of Isaiah, uh, Isaiah uh, chapter 6. Isaiah was, in his time, uh, probably for generations, maybe the greatest prophet in the history of Israel. Uh, considered an amazing prophet. Uh, the longest prophetic book of the Old Testament is the book of Isaiah, 66 chapters. This is Isaiah. He, did he prophesied to kings and generals and nations. That's what Isaiah did at the risk of his life. And Isaiah went into a room, and there's God. <laughs> you know, that's how the story goes. I'm going to paraphrase the story. And when he sees God, realize he has ex access to God. Here, I'm going to paraphrase what he said. Here's what he said. He says, woe is me, because I'm a sinner. I live in a nation of sinners. That's what he says, and he falls on his face before God. And when he does that, we're told an angel comes down 
and it has some tongs and lifts a coal off the altar. The altar is symbolic of the place where the sacrifice was made for the forgiveness of sins. And he fly, that angel flies over to Isaiah and touches his lips. And he's forgiven and washed clean. And he stands in God's presence. And God says, who will go for us? Who will go? Who will go back into this world? And Isaiah said, send me. Send me. So see that encounter with God. Moses said there, uh, when he saw the bush that was burning and not burning, he says, who are you? Who are you, Lord? And, and, and he said, I am. I am. And I am. And that's who I am. And he sent him. He sent him to uh, uh, the nation of Egypt to, and to Israel to release him from captivity. There's something very simple that happened with the Apostle Paul. When he sees Jesus, God on this earth there on the Damascus Road, you know, he says, who are you? He said, I'm the one you've been persecuting. And he goes and is sent to the Gentiles to share good news there. So see what an encounter with God looks like and what it means to encounter God. You should be really, really aware of how accessible God is. But what a serious thing it is to connect with God and why sometimes we don't. Sometimes we stay away from that place where we actually encounter with a God who changes our lives. Maybe we don't want our lives to be changed. In that room with the governor, uh, I thought it was very interesting. Uh, for me, there were several pastors there with us from across Texas. Uh, and pastors are pastors. I, I, I confess that that's what we are. And so we, we talk very well, very lengthy. Uh, and I'm thinking, I'm here to talk to the governor and hear the governor speak. I mean, this is the governor. I want to hear what he's going to do, what, what he's about, maybe more personally, you know. And it's a, he's a really interesting fellow, a very intelligent governor. And so I'm looking forward to that part of our conversation. But I discovered that all the pastors wanted to hear themselves speak more than they wanted to hear the governor speak. That's what I figured out. Uh, there was one or two over there that really enjoyed uh, their voice. Um, <laughs> And can you give a three-point sermon in the middle of a question you're asking the governor? So we're all listening there while they go on and on and on and on. You know, I know what you think already, guy. You know, I know what you're already about here. I don't want to hear you. I could talk to you outside there on the entryway while we're waiting to get in here. And I didn't, you know. Uh, so why are, why are we listening to you? I want to listen to the governor. That's why I'm here. That's why I'm here. That's what I want to be about, you know. When Jesus was on the cross, on this earth, he spoke to God as a human being. What does Jesus say? What are the words he uses as he speaks to God, the Heavenly Father, as he is that six hours dying as he's crucified? Well, some of the things he said to those around him, he said, he said to whoever would hear, I guess, I thirst, I'm thirsty. His mouth was dry because of, of the death that he was, he was undergoing. You know, he saw his mother and said, John, you take care of my mom, and mom, this is your son now. He cared about her. I want you to be taking, I when I die, you need someone. I want you to have John, the youngest apostle, to be your caregiver until you die. I really appreciate it about his humanity there on the cross. It identifies with you and means such a beautiful way. Because we experience that ourselves, don't we, sometimes? That happens there. He looks at the thief on the cross by the side of him, and he says to him, what? Today you'll be with me in paradise. This thief, this murderer, is going to heaven with him. You know, that says a lot. Then he talks to God the rest of his conversation. He says things like this. 
Father, forgive these people. Would you forgive them? Now, they don't know what they're doing. If they did, they wouldn't be doing this. He says, uh, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? You know, even, even the Lord there in this place says to God, you know, this situation I'm in, I don't understand. I, I, I don't get this. I, 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 can't, I can't understand how this all happened, this, this, this situation where I'm on the cross now. I mean, why, have you forsaken me? We don't know what speaks that, the pain he's experiencing. Did he know this was supposed to happen the way that it did? Well, that's what he says. He says, into, into your hands I, I commend my spirit. I don't understand why it's happening, maybe, but I trust you, Lord. I trust you, Lord, in this situation. I trust you, God. I trust you. Into your hands I give my spirit. And the last words, it's finished. It's finished. And we're told he gives up the spirit and he dies. What do you want to say to God given the opportunity? Because you and I have that opportunity anytime we choose to avail ourselves of And we don't have to drive to Austin. You don't need a criminal background check. You don't have to wait at the gate until they come and get you and walk you in like a little herd of ducks until you get into the, into the, uh, the governor's mansion. You don't, nothing that happens. And you have a you and God audience. No interruptions. Nobody with an agenda. No political overlays of all that goes on there. You know, that's happening. Just you and God. What do you say? What do you think God wants to say to you? And that's the second verse. This is the third question. What do you think God wants to say to you? Like the words of Jesus where he said, Come unto me, all you labor heavy laden, and I will give you rest. That's words of God. That's what he might say to us. He would certainly say, Hey, I love you. You don't always believe it, but I love you. I'm going to let you know right now I care about you. I care about your life, wherever you are, whatever your circumstance, whatever your situation, I care about it. I care about you if you're dealing with illness. I care about you if you don't have enough money to pay your bills. I care about you if your relationships are broken. I care about you in every... I care about you. Like I cared about Isaiah, who I sent to give his life for the people of Israel, which is what Isaiah did. Like I cared for Paul, who gave the good news to those in his world. The Gentiles also gave his life. Like I cared about Moses who led the people to the promised land and never got the promised land himself. He just got to the point of entering, and then he died on a mountaintop looking down over the land he never, ever entered. You know, I love you. I care about you. I need you to trust me. He cares about us. What do you think God wants to say to you, wants, wants us to say to him? What would he say? Trust me. Love me. Believe in me. Walk with me. Surrender to me. I'm God. I'm God. Well, the last question. What do we want the outcome of this conversation to be? What do we want it to be? Where do we want it to go? What's next for us? Where do we go beyond that? For me, well, it's uh, 1.30, and this time is done. And so I got a picture taken. You know, they were all in line to do that. So, oh, I get in line, too. I get a picture. You know, post it on Facebook. You'd be kind of cool. So I get the picture taken. You know, we got to pray for him. I thought that was really cool that we got to I got to put a hand on governor's shoulder and pray for our governor. And I appreciate being able to do that. Uh, it leads the state of Texas, one of the largest, uh, one of the top economies in the world, the state of Texas economy. I got to pray for our, I got to pray for our governor. And I really appreciate being able to do that. And he said, also, pray for me. Tell your church to pray for me too. Pray for Governor Abbott. Pray for our president. Pray for him. 
He wants you to do that. He comes and he asks you for that. And then I left and Rhonda picked me up because she had to drive around three or four times to get me, pick me up. And I went back to my hotel room and took a nap because I was tired. Uh, and had a long two days still to come, a wedding on Saturday and all that. So anyway, that's what I did. And I said, nothing else to do for that matter at that time. So that's what I did. What, what do you want to have happen? What do you really want from God? What do you want your life with God to look like? How do you want to live your life as a Christian? What's your journey you're really expecting as you look at Bible people, as you see other Christians, as you deal with your own spiritual life, singing a hymn and having a Lord's Prayer together and praying at home and all the different ways that we pray. And I have all kinds of ways that I pray in all kinds of conversations. You know, I just talk to God all the time. What do you want the outcome to be? Well, the psalmist said, I'd rather be a doorkeeper in your house and dwell in the riches or tents of wickedness. What's he saying? I'd rather walk with God and have nothing than not have God in my life and have everything. Conversation with God, walking into a room where God is, standing in light, waiting our turn, and here we are with God, you know, what would you say? Would you pray with me, please? Heavenly Father, for this church family here this morning, I'm going to address you for them. God, I'm going to give us a couple of minutes just to be quiet. And in our hearts and minds drawn towards you, as this psalmist tells us it should be, so here are the things we would say to you right now, God, from our reality, from our faith or lack of faith, from our place in life right now, from our circumstances, from who we are and who we're not. God, for a minute, just, just hear our prayers as we speak to you, God, and, and for, because we know we're all, all in this place, first in line. Hear our prayer right now. Holy God, as, as Hebrews tells us, we believe that you exist, God. And we believe that you love us. So we know you've heard our prayers. And you hear our prayers. God, help us hear you. In the power of words, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. I'm going to pause right now as the sermon has ended and say a few words about, again, uh, my trip to meet with the governor. 
uh, wasn't sure what the agenda was going to be, but one of the biggest agenda was, again, uh, looking for prayer from churches and pastors. Uh, I'm convinced that, uh, and, and I would have gone, no matter who the governor was, no matter Democrat, Republican, I would go. President, Democrat, Republican, doesn't matter. I'm going to go. The Bible says pray for whoever is uh, the leaders of your country. Uh, and, and so it's a joy to be able to do that. Joking aside of what it's like to see a governor and do all that, you know, I'll just do that sometime. But, uh, but it's really a serious moment to be able to see that we are able to make a connection in this way and should always do that with those in leadership of our nation. And so he said uh, to all of the pastors, when you go back to your church, just pray for me. I, you know, we're, there's no political agenda. I'm not looking for us to campaign for anyone. That's not what it's about at all. I know we have folks here who vote both sides of, uh, of any election. I understand that. That's fine. Uh, and I'm not even going to tell you which side I vote. But I think we should pray for the governors he requested, which I would do for any governor, uh, any person who says, please do that. And he said, do it in church. And so we're going to right now very quickly uh, and then move to the end of our service. Heavenly Father, we ask your blessings upon uh, our governor, blessing upon his wife and his children. May you bless him in leadership of the state of Texas, leadership beyond the state of Texas. May you empower that, God, by your will and your purpose somehow beyond our own. Pray the same thing for our president, all those who lead this nation, those who serve and lead our own communities that we live in, schools, cities, neighborhoods, and county. Make it so, God, we pray as your church and your people. In Jesus' name, amen.